0: Welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast. I'm Kevin Miller. I hunt for the latest and greatest authors and experts in self-help and ask them the in-depth questions I'm curious about for my own growth. I bring these conversation series to you so we can learn and grow together. Here I'm back with best-selling author and former chief storytelling officer of Success Magazine, Kendra Hall. We're going to walk through her personal values, motives, and habits in the key areas of life fulfillment so we can hear what is driven and does drive her to lead us in the stories we write about our lives and helps her design a life that fulfills her. In episode 1042, which was the longest show I've ever published, Kendra and I talked about stories, specifically the message in her new book, Choose Your Story, Change Your Life. Here, again, we go behind the scenes into the ever-evolving story she's writing in her current life. Here's some cliff notes I think you'll want to hear more about in this episode. Regarding her spirituality, she pondered that her purpose is easy when she understands it, but hard when she doesn't. A key for her health and wellness is to consider the most essential uses of her time. On mental health, Kendra said she's consistently paying attention to what is working and what isn't, and being aware that what did work might not work anymore. In work and career, we got to talking about our propensity to feel we need to put in a solid week, you know, 40 hours or whatever, when so often, as she said, man, I can create magic in only 10 minutes. And we ended talking about achievements, and I think you'll be curious to hear how Kendra views her own story regarding what she wants to achieve as she admits that she's currently aware the big achievements so often have not provided as much fulfillment as she hoped. And the achievements that she wasn't even looking for have been the most fulfilling, like, and she shared yesterday's testimonial from a teacher about her child's character and what it meant to her. Folks, Kendra is the 191st guest I've had on my show and is literally one of the most thoughtful and interesting conversationalists I've ever experienced. You can find her book anywhere and connect with her at KendraHall.com. Hey, if you find value from this self-helpful podcast, specifically this episode, leave a review about it. It'll bless Kendra and it helps me. Uh, Best thing you can do is take something that you hear Kendra talk about today and share it with somebody else. Talk about it. Discuss it. You can always connect with me at my website or social media at kevinmiller.co. Next up, Kendra Hall's values, motives, and habits. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances Kendra, looking at these primary areas of life, I mean, it's about story. This is your, your playground and the stories we write about, uh, ourselves, where we are, where we've been, where we're going. So I'm interested initially just to hear where you are and you've shared a little bit offline that, uh, some things have changed for you. So let's dive in. First area is spiritual. Tell me about Mm -hmm. your, your values and how you practice those personally.
1: You know, I think it's always interesting when I hear the word uh, spiritual or spirituality, uh, because I immediately feel um, uh, not enough uh, or, you Mm. know, like inadequate. Um, So I grew up with spirituality, meaning God and church. I spent most of my childhood At church, uh, Wednesday, Sunday, and as many nights in between, I went to a Lutheran college, like Mm -hmm. church and religion was a big part of my life. Um, And that, I'm really glad that I knew those stories. And that was really important. But it's, it's been a long time since I've been in a church. And I think now, actually, as I say this, I feel much more spiritual and faith driven with that foundation. Um, but my own personal belief that we are all here for something and we're all connected and, and that we all have our own role to play. And and the time that we have as humans is, is not up to us, uh, or how much of it there is, but rather what we do with it. And so, when it comes to a spirituality practice, I don't meditate. Um, I don't do yoga. I There's so many things. I think that's when it comes to that inadequacy. So I don't, I'm not at church. You, just, you just hit the two sides. It's
0: either religion or yoga meditation. And that's yeah. kind of where we tend to fall. Yeah.
1: And I don't do either of them. Okay. So that's where I'm like in this. And yet at the same time, I feel, feel, and I always have felt so connected to the source. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think, no, I know. So my practice when it comes to spirituality is, is always to be listening for the source and, and feeling it it has to go like feeling that intuition. Um, and it really ties into, I think who I am from a storytelling perspective is, is a direct, is directly correlated or related to who I am spiritually, because, um, our our lives really are all a story and we are in the middle of it every day. We're in that. We don't know when it ends or, you know, no one has started, but that um, constant act of, okay, I am here in the middle of this story and listening to where is this story going next. And in those moments of confusion or big decision, instead of forcing outward, forcing the action. I practice my spirituality by pausing and and letting the true author speak to me so that I can put it down on paper.
0: I'm curious in that, Kendra, in this question, I have a lot of guests on who don't have a real clear perspective of their spirituality. And yet they're here because they have like you often written a book or they're doing something and they are to me serving a greater purpose. They're sitting here and doing something that is an effort beyond themselves to help other people. And at the core of spirituality, I look at that and go, there's that, that's kind of a basis as a, a bigger purpose as opposed yep. to it's just about, you. And, you know, culturally, when we look at the diseases of despair right now too, I find myself pondering that perspective and how it affects us and our culture. When the story is just us, it's just about me waking in the morning and Mm -hmm. going to bed at night and what I do or don't do, or what happens to me or not in between. And that's the storyline. Or as you said, is there a bigger arc of a story that's going on that I get to participate in. And then does it have any, uh, is there any specificity to it or is it just happenstance? And even that is, seems to be such a trigger.
1: Yeah. I think that when you really think about your, you, you said it, it's, it's living in purpose and finding purpose. Like how do you live in your purpose? First, you have to find your purpose and that's really hard. And I know for myself, um, I, so, of course, my expertise, my passion, my purpose, you could say, is, is storytelling. And um, I found that – call. I was called to that um, when I was 11. Uh, and it just seems so silly, doesn't it? Like if you were called to have storytelling be your thing, I spent most of my life saying – what even is that? Like, that's silly. Who needs, right? So, so I think that, you know, if spirituality, that connection to the source, that purpose, one of the big disconnects is, is how small we feel in that and mm-hmm. thinking that it needs to be bigger. It needs to be, I need to. And in that way, we're controlling it, you know, trying to take control of it when really the, the art of suspension and, and saying, okay, I, I guess this is what it is. So, how can I keep living this purpose? It's easy on the days that I understand it, mm-hmm. and it's really hard on the days that I don't. Mm-hmm. And and how do I continue to remind myself that this is my purpose, um, so that I may live as the as the spirit, the spiritual being that I am on this earth to be. And, and so actually I have a, you know, when it comes down to the practice of it, um, it does, it is about self storytelling. And so in those moments where I am belittling myself, my, I'm saying what, whose job, like, I'm not a journalist. I'm not out on the battlefields telling those stories. Like I don't, I still am actively trying to discover how to best live this calling. Um, I go back and retell myself the stories of my journey and um and in some way I recently so here's here's a story for you. I when I was so it was 20 years ago.
0: Yeah.
1: I entered the Minnesota State Fair Talent Competition. Um and my my reasons were because uh, I had been ghosted by a boyfriend and I wanted To become famous so that he couldn't miss me. He had, he would have to see me. He couldn't ghost me. I'd be everywhere. And my strategy was to enter a talent competition. So my strategy was a little off. Okay. But um, I was stuck because I didn't know what my talent would be because I can't sing. I can't dance. And so I heard the voice say, you need to tell a story. You need to tell a story. And I remember walking out onto the stage because you auditioned and then you made it to semifinals. And then you made it to finals, which was on a stage in front of 15,000 people. Um, So there I was at semifinals, probably 400 people in the audience. The MC is backstage saying, okay, so what's your talent? And I said, storytelling. And he said, singing? What song are you singing? And I was like, no, no, it's storytelling. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And I felt crazy. And I remember the MC walked out on the stage and said, and now Kendra will be telling a story. And it was the most awkward, uncomfortable moment. But I walked out on the stage. I told the heck out of that story. I made it to the final round in front of 15,000 people. I ended up taking second place. And the reason I shared this with you is because I recently found the video of me telling that story 20 years ago. And I posted it on my Instagram. And one of the messages I got was a woman who said, I remember watching you tell stories on the high school speech team. I was in the audience that night at the state fair that you told that story. And I still remember that it was absolutely incredible You were born to do this. I'm cheering for you. So here's a person that saw me tell stories when I was 14 years old. And now here I am 41. And and so I retell that to myself when I feel small, when I feel, because that, I think that is the the ultimate, whether it's like, I can't do enough for my community or who am I to make a change? um, It really does come back to who are you?
0: Yeah. In that aspect that you talked about, I resonate with that propensity to want to justify it. Am I, am I saving the world? I mean, we glorify that on the screens with this next superhero movie and we get to save the world and think, gosh, what am I? I'm, I mean, this is a great conversation. Am I saving the world? There's people dying over here and I don't, and and yeah, yeah, so I hear you on going back and looking for those clues and sometimes just saying, you know what? I don't know why, but this is what I'm called to. So here we go.
1: And someday, someday, you know this this story will end and it'll all make sense <laughs> but you know i'm not even going to be there for the end i might not even know yeah. the story that happened because of of me because it happened for somebody else who you know it just yeah
0: well our next one is relationships and you're right we we you and i were just talking about kids and school starting uh before we got on the mics here and um Tell me about where you've evolved to in your story of relationships, how you value those and what that relates to in your day-to-day life with family, with friends.
1: Mm -hmm. I would say, I mean, of course, my most important relationships, aside from the relationship with myself uh, and the source, my relationship with my husband and kids. However, I've recently learned um, the importance of friends. Um, and, and I think that as somebody who is and has been, or was always really ambitious and there were so many years for me where I did want to prove myself. And I did want to have a career that, you know, like make, I was trying to figure out make, make storytelling a job, which is no small, Mm -hmm. just no small feat. Um, and and I had some relationships that, like friendships that had started before I started on that journey, and so they, you know, sustained. They were there, but then we up and moved. We left that community and moved yeah. uh, to New York City. And so here I was in a brand new place. We moved from suburbia to uh, a three City, bedroom yeah. apartment. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I at that point my career was off and running. I was traveling all the time. Um, and my kids were in an entirely new environment, a new school. My husband was trying to manage the city while I was gone. Um, and for the first two years, we it was interesting because we lived here. We lived in New York. We had a zip code here. Um, but I still felt like a guest. I still mm-hmm. felt like a tourist almost because while this city is is its own thing. We do need people. And one of the beautiful things that came out of the pandemic for my family was, um, you know, so much of my work was traveling and giving keynote speeches at conferences. Uh, and that didn't happen. I wasn't on planes all the time. Um, and so instead I was home and once it was, you know, safe to see other people in person, um, it was the people. It was the friends. It was the relationships that, I mean, we were going through trauma together here in the city and um, we developed some very, very deep relationships. Mm -hmm. And, and now yes, time gets busy and when you develop deep relationships in New York city, you're not developing them with people who've got nothing to do, right? Like, so my friends are, are all over whether they're traveling for work or they're at work until late hours, we all have kids. Um, We're all balancing a lot. But there is sacred special time Mm -hmm. now that before I would have been like, oh, yeah, you're having a birthday party. Well, I'll put it on my calendar in pencil. But if I get a speaking engagement, I might not be able to be there. And now when there's like an event, one of my friends is a big uh, event planner. And she's, she's, Part of this huge event in New York City in October, which is a busy speaking month. Um, But I called my team and said, Take me off the calendar. I'm not going to be, I'm not speaking those days. I need to be in the city. Or the New York City Marathon. We have this tradition with our friends. We go over to their house, we watch the marathon. It's the best day in the city. Um, And I wrote my team and said, I will, I am not working that day. Do not book me. I'm going to be with my friends. Uh, I feel very blessed that that's what came of it for me because I don't think I would have been there. I was
0: going to ask. So that's the change was the prioritizing relationships over some of the big opportunities.
1: And, and that is, um, is still a bit uncomfortable Mm. for me. I'm getting, uh, I think I'm on the end of feeling uncomfortable with it. Mm. Now I really take pride in it, but, but, you know, you see, uh, you see people who, who do the same thing you do or are in a similar field and they're still going, going, going like every, you know, for me, if I'm watching other keynote speakers and they're, they're going nonstop. And meanwhile, I was like, no, I'm not missing Labor Day weekend. We have, we're going away with 20 of our friends and we look forward to it all year. Uh, And you wonder, there is a moment of oh is is this wrong to prioritize these relationships um but I have very little doubt that it is it's it's been so actually I had a momentous moment it happened just yesterday we had to fill out the form after the first day of school for like the emergency contacts and usually I'm like okay I guess I'm gonna put my mom who lives in Minnesota uh you know like what good is she gonna be if there's an emergency she's a four-hour flight away uh and this year to be able to write down like our friends who feel like family uh that was a big and again then back to the story part of it like to retell that story to myself to I said it out loud to my husband I was like do you know this is kind of a big deal that we put down our friends as our emergency contacts for the first time? Um, It's a cool moment. That's
0: awesome. It reminds me of my dad. I got to pull him out, Dan Miller. and He's had this thing for years now, calls it the 3 a.m. club. Who do you have in your life? How many people do you have in your life? You can call it 3 a.m., with uh, a problem a crisis uh, and, and for some reason he put on there that, that could lend you 10,000 bucks I don't know why that number but
1: no that makes sense though the essence
0: yep. of that and, and it, man it, it's really calls you to the mat because we're in a place and time when so so many people even people who you would say are you know big connectors VIPs whatever they don't really have anyone often yeah. and to have yep. two is a big deal to have five is a big deal And to go beyond yeah. that and think man is there anything wealthier than that and buyers with the internet's best converting checkout it's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms getting people to buy is not that hard at least to the buying point Yahoofinance.com.
1: Well, and and also if you, you know, I know for myself and that entrepreneur spirit and that I can do it on my own. Yeah, and yeah. um I would feel wrong about putting I don't want to ask anybody for help. I want to be able to do it all myself. And and how that's shifted it to I would be honored if someone asked me to be their emergency contact. That's true, yeah. Um, and so, you know, I would be honored if somebody trusted to come to me and say, I need you at 3am. Like, let me, yeah, let me be. Now I do put my phone on do not disturb. So you won't be able to get through to me at 3am. <laughs> yeah, so like, I should consider but conceptually. Should consider conceptually yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, right. Exactly. And the value of, um, a big thing that that I've struggled with when it comes to, you know, the, like the behind the scenes of Kendra Hall, um, my whole life is I've really struggled with time. Um, and, and it, I haven't really shared this, but I was diagnosed with um, ADD six years ago, like as an adult. Uh, and it was before it seemed like the thing that everybody was talking about, like, who is it Shailene Johnson? I follow her. She's always talking about ADD or Mel Robbins is always yeah. talking about it. It was before anybody was talking about that. Um, but it's helped that diagnosis. I don't talk about it much because I certainly don't feel defined by it, but it has helped me understand that time has been a very, like, I, I, I want to be able to hold it in my hand. Mm. Um, I have a really hard time. I always have to wear a watch. I have a really hard time with any understanding any passing of time. Um, I'm never late to things. It was two minutes late to this. Uh, cause it was, finding a plug but I hate being like it's a very big so what also happened for me is I was always measuring if I spend 30 minutes with this person um are they serving two of those buckets so it would be like I can't just hang out with someone because they're a friend and and we just like to talk about fashion and what's happening at school and exercise it needs to be a friend plus a, a progress in business. I was going to say
0: pro- productivity. It's got to be producing. Exactly. Something. Yeah.
1: It has to be. And so it would have been, I would have been obsessed with masterminding and, and, and all of these, these things when, when really what I, I, I needed to just have relationships that were just relationships. And I think that that has been a big, that's been a big transition for me to have friends just to have friends Um where our primary reason for coming together is not the work that we do or because it serves multiple purposes. It's just because we need people.
0: Your commentary on, yeah, people who are going so many directions and we're doing everything. We know that that's kind of the sexy perspective. And yet I talked to you, I told you, I I talked with Ben Hardy yesterday and he was talking about his own evolution in this same show format and said he's honestly just trying to slow down and seeing that if he's going to get the enjoyment out of life that he wants, he has to slow down. And that's just not, again, to use that word, it's just not a sexy thing. We don't talk on Instagram yeah. about, you know, today I was just, I
1: just kind of hung out. Just, I know. I, I feel just, like I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm still like recovering. I'm still recovering from, from. I mean, it's been since I was like a child mm-hmm. that I was going a million miles a minute. And that's how I measured my, my worth, my value. Uh, it's a pithy yeah. statement,
0: but it, he, he brought up that again, pithy thing of a human being as opposed to a human doing. And man, I get yeah. the addiction of production. It's fun. It's exciting. It's sexy. It's, and yet it just flies by well, Hey, on that note health and wellness. There's something we have to stop some of the production to do so that we can produce. So yeah. What's on the top of your value list with your own health and wellness.
1: Yeah. I, um, I, my grandmother said once just in a passing comment, she said, well, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. Uh, you know, she's not an influencer. She wasn't a fitness guru or anything. It was just like very matter of fact. And, uh, I was young and didn't, I mean, health was just kind of a given at that point. But even then I realized, I was like, you know what? It is so true. Um, and it's another thing that when, for me, having so much struggle with time, um, that unless you truly believe that, that if you don't have your health, you don't have anything, right? That uh, that it is one of the most essential uses of your time and um I was really fortunate I mean I'd never I wasn't an athlete I was on the golf team like second day of practice I got hit in the head with a golf club so like it was (laughs) never I'm so
0: sorry sorry to laugh Uh, even even
1: even the like a least athletic of the sports I Mm -hmm. still managed to get injured um but then I was really fortunate like shortly after like the day after I got back from my honeymoon to be invited to a spin class, uh, with a friend. And I just fell in love with, I fell in love with that exercise. I fell in love with the challenge. I fell in love with the community. So I I will say that spin is a leveraging point for me because you get to be with your friends and Mm -hmm. you get to exercise. So in terms of productivity, uh, that's a great thing, but it, that was, a. 13 years ago. And so, health and fitness from an exercise perspective has been a pretty stable part of my life. Uh, Where I struggle is making the time to make food that makes me feel good. I mean, I don't know. It's like the most simple thing. I, I mean, it's so granular, but well,
0: yeah, I mean, it's the number one, I, I, my experience is it's the number one, uh, deterrent to healthy eating is just the time, the, the lack yeah. of convenience. Yeah, you got it.
1: And, and so, and so that's been a big adjustment actually, even, I think there's so many different, I've always felt, um, throughout the year. I mean, obviously new year's is a new year's eve new year's day is a is an obvious place to like start new initiatives but i feel like there are points all throughout the year where i feel particularly drawn to like like pushing hard on a new habit um and i had been uh, i'm a believer in in measuring right so you can keep you can see your progress either for better or worse. And I happen to be going back and looking through some old books where I used to measure different things, like how much I was working out or what I was eating. And I would weigh myself. And I was like, wait, my average weight several years ago is much lower than it is now. And I am, I feel worse. I don't, had the energy I used to um my enthusiasm is less than it was I started to do this whole investigation of like looking at the numbers and then um looking at photos not necessarily for my physical composition but when you look at photos you can remember the stories of what were happening in that moment how you felt uh and it became really clear that like this is this is uh this is an investment that needs uh additional attention so um but that requires time intentionality and believing that that is worth it and sacrifice
0: back to your priorities just like with friendships is yeah yeah
1: so so that's one of the hard and it part of the reason those numbers went up is because i live in a city where like there's just food all around you. And it's so easy to get. And it's at the tip of your finger. And um, lots of social now with these new friends, what do we do? We go out to dinner, we go out to happy hour, we so it's like, Oh, gosh, there's a whole new level. So here are these friends. And I have this, or are they conflicting values, um so in the process of making those values mesh together, well, but it, it does require some sacrifice, so i'm gonna
0: ask is there any from a i don't like the word diet, but you get the point the dietary kind of a structure that you try to adhere to
1: yeah i I'm at a new i I kind of had to go back to ground zero here because I also feel now I'm in my forties, I feel like there were changes in you know just even how my body functions so i'm going all the way back to start like try to start from zero cutting a bunch of things out yeah. um and then slowly start to add them back in so i don't really have a system yet because um, this is you know it's a new but very important recalibration
0: yeah well mind and mental health is next, and I do appreciate that in relationships you talked about the priority. You didn't state it as priority one, but you started off with relationship with self. Mm. Great place to start with mind or mental. Health. And we already know you did. You don't meditate or do yoga, which is I okay. I don't much either. I don't at all. I, I kind of want to say that I do, but. Uh, Tell me what you do there. You're, you're, you've mentioned that it's been a thread all along of just yeah. trying to deal with the busyness, the hecticness, the, the opportunities of life, and then say, what do I want? That's why we talk about values and then how you... Keep your and you talked about uh, ADD, which now I think they only say ADHD for, or don't they? Or
1: yeah, well, I, I feel like a, the H is where it's the hyperactivity. I don't. So, uh, um, so I just I not Mine is attention. It's not like I'm super hyper. I
0: yeah. don't know. Well, so I've been I've yeah. I've gotten hit with the same um, diagnosis as an adult too. So yeah, okay. But yeah. mine and mental health. So again, looking at the day, what do what does Kendra do? to address that because, you know, it can, it can go awry and you get lost in the shuffle and lost in the story. How's that?
1: Yeah. I think that again, this is a, it's a constant, um, it's constantly paying attention to what is working and what isn't Hmm. and knowing that what worked might not anymore. Um, and so when it comes to, you know, my, I, for a long time, as I said, I like to measure things. And so I would measure, I had a whole bunch of activities that I would measure every single day. Like how many pages did I read? How many hours did I spend with my kids? How many hours did I work? Um, you know, and I would measure it over the week and add it up for the month. And, um, and it was really, really helpful many years ago, because life was so chaotic, it was a way to kind of ground myself. Uh, then it turned into dysfunction, where I measured my entire worth on these crazy, because I would always try to add more things to it. Like, how much could I get done? That's the thing. If you're measuring
0: um, it, you feel like you got to make progress. And all of a sudden you ex- wake up and feel like I'm a prisoner to my own measuring. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And then, of course, it was 2020 and measuring of any kind was laughable. And then that continued. And then it was kind of a free for all, which then for me personally, it's like, oh, I work. I don't, I don't, I don't really know. Um, and so, and that didn't really serve me well, either to have no, no guidance. Like, I don't have a job. I work for myself. So to have no like metrics or anything. So I'm slowly now, again, getting back into, now I feel like things are really all the way back to normal. Like I'm traveling like I used to be, the kids are in school like they used to be. Um, everything is happening like it used to be. I'm different. So how can I take the dysfunction of both of those different people, the one who is so overly measured that it created a, uh, a mental health problem and the person who had tied herself to nothing and it created a mental health problem. (laughs) How do I find the balance, um, there? So, you know, we all, we all deal with, we're all, we're all dealing with a, a lot. There's, there's a lot to deal with and certainly there are people who are dealing with more than I am, but I think the regular practice for me is to come back to, why, what, why am I doing the things that I do? What am I working towards? Who do I want to be like instead of looking outwards? Cause there's so much noise. There's a lot of shoulds coming at us. Well, you should be doing this and you should be doing that. Um, and instead to kind of just stop all of that and start first w- with you again, like, why are you here? What are you working towards to have the clarity on that so that you can then make the different decisions of the, of the noise that's coming towards you. Did that answer the question? Yeah, it
0: did. And you went right into the next piece, which is work, career, business. And, and there you go. So to ask you your values on your, let's look at your career and to say, why are you here? Just what you said, what are you working, uh, towards is kind of the crux of that. And you're at a place right now, I'm going to surmise where you probably have more success happening. And from that, you have more opportunity than ever. And every reason not to go to the friend's birthday party, because you just got asked to do X, Y, Z. And how exciting is that? And how lost can you get into that story? So let's back up and, and say, I'll even ask it there. So what is the story you are writing and trying to adhere to in your career?
1: Yeah, I, in my career, it's not, I think the closest thing that people hear, but it's not quite right, is, you know, work smarter, not harder. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's more about uh, trusting, like really trusting the value that I bring, Um, really trusting that, that this is this is not just 5 years of it's not just 2 years of work it's not since my first book was published or my second it's all the way it's decades decades of of work of effort and um and that that is enough um and that yeah like there is it's that i don't need to work 40 hours a week i can do magic in 10 because I have you know you hear about the 10,000 hours or what I have decades of experience like I have this this compounds you know you hear about compounding interest like like I can do what needs to be done in 10 hours and and instead of beating myself up about that, which is kind of where, where I am and maybe some listeners struggle with this as well to fully embrace that. And I find that when I do embrace it, um, Hey, it leads to the desire to like, you can get really lost in a project, right? So where you were like, okay, I'll work on this for two hours and suddenly you're working on it for six because you're so excited, um, but then when you're not feeling the pressure of i'm not good enough i'm not good enough it's i have to do more i have to do more uh, when you're not feeling that you're so much more expansive connected to the source to bring it all the way back around now i do find that all of the all of the all of the things you've read and hear about the importance of goal setting is so true like it's it's so important to live in the moment but it's also really important to know where you're going and to know that where you want to go might change. I mean, that's, that's the thing is if I've learned anything over the big like zigzag over the last two years, it's that things change. I change, the circumstances change. Um, so one of the things that I do have for, so it doesn't sound all woo woo is I have my annual business goals. I have the goals, um, for, the different parts of my business financially, like the number on the page. I know how many keynote speeches I need to give in any given year in order to hit those goals, both for my own financial health and well-being. I mean, because it's always, you can go too far, not too far, but if it's only about, for me, if it's only about helping people and making a difference in the world, I need some concreteness. I need some like, no, this is how many dollars because I have to pay my team, uh, I have to pay rent, you know? Um, and I do, I have, uh, well, actually we just recently sat down and talked about like our eight to 12 year goals where we want to be when, when we both turn 50, well, my husband's a few years older. So when I turn 50, he gets a couple bonus years. Yeah. Um, when our kids are going to college, like we, what do we want? What do I want? what do we want our life to look like? And then working that backwards. So then there's the annual goals. Okay. So to support those annual goals, what needs to happen each quarter? Okay. For each quarter, what needs to happen each um, month, each month, what happens each week, all the way down to what happens each day. So it's a combination I would say from career is like that kind of qualitative, like, what do I want? Where do, how do I want it to feel? Um, that fulfilling a calling combined with the quantitative, like, okay, how are we going to pay a mortgage yeah. in eight to 12 years?
0: Hey, I do want to just comment because I resonate so much with it, with the 40 hour week or whatever it is that I still find myself and it happened just recently on a given day and I did something with some of the kids and it was a weekday. I did some, I don't know what it was. I did something. And then I got kind of lost in a project at home. I was actually just working on, I'm doing a new home office as well along with my studio here. And I did that. And then I went for a ride and then I did do a little bit of work and then I did something else. I thought, man, I just, I didn't really work today. And I had, and then I had to think, wait, no, you did that one call that could probably be a six figure deal call that you had set up that's worth months of work you're okay yeah. and yeah. and just so what you said coming back to that I, I've always remembered reading about Richard Branson this was probably 10 years ago and it, somebody yeah. made a quip of he works about 20 minutes a day but in those 20 minutes he makes m- million dollar decisions and he's good and then he goes oh, and right, that sounds like the maturity I want to grow to the, the success, the evolution that I want to go to. So thank you for pulling yeah. that out. I,
1: well, and those, and those like big ideas only happen if you have space for ideas to happen. We're back
0: to the slowing down. Yeah. I, right. I, yeah. The creative stuff happens in the, in the downtime.
1: Well, and I, so I think I've, I've, I'm happy. I think this is an important part with any, any well-being no matter you know no matter what your values are we talked as we talk about how these all break down to the success of all of this is it's really important the reason i bring this up is because i was going to say something that i feel like sounds kind of silly but so often we don't take the time to retell to tell back to ourselves the stories of how far we've come. The stories of wow, that is mm. a symbol that I've made progress. Like that little success. We have these successes and we just keep moving. We look for the next one, we look for the next one. And never stopping to retell ourselves. Like it may sound very self serving to to rewatch or post the um the State Fair talent show video. But if I never stop and look back at how far I've come or how long I've been doing this, I will be miserable for the rest of my life. I won't ever fully comprehend my the vastness of my work. So I would say a point. So this is what I wanted to say. I'm like, I should preface it by saying it's important yeah. to, um, to see this progress. But I have I'm patting myself on the back because I feel like I've made progress in this area. I have a book due. I have a book due. I have to write another book. And um, the manuscript is due New Year's Eve. They're pushing it out a little bit. But I got a book to write. And previously, the old me would be freaking out months ago, right? But the new me who has been through all of these iterations and understands that my value isn't measured in hours um that my ideas need space to to grow and marinate and and be born in the first place um i don't have an outline for this book and yet i know that it's come i have no none of that stress none of that anxiety because i can feel it coming together in my head, mm-hmm. the way it's supposed to. And I know that it will be better because I'm not, I'm not limiting it by those, by those measurements. So it, I'm
0: like, Is it also, are you attesting to somewhat of a learned faith in yourself that it, you will come out? It is in there. It will come out when you sit down and intend to do it.
1: Yeah. Like this is, yes, because that's what we all, we all need to have faith in ourselves. Like that is, I think that's the most, that I think that's the thing that's lacking the most. And I think it's the most important is to, is to have faith in yourself. Like, I know that I can write in a, I can, I can write 10,000 words in two days. Yeah. And I only have to write 40. And I know that of those 10,000, I've been doing this long enough, only 8,000 of them have to be good, right? Like this is, or I know that at least 8,000 of them will be really good. So then as I, so I know this and I don't think we always allow ourselves to know it and believe it and live it. And that is, that's one of the big, when it comes to that business value, that's really where I am right now is I am done doubting myself I'm, I'm open to learning new things and, 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 you know, being new at something. But as far as the things that I know how to do, I'm done thinking, doubting myself or trying to convince myself that I don't.
0: Okay. I want to ask you on that though, Kendra, because that's one of those you know, self-improvement, motivational things that we tend to say is just, just don't doubt yourself. And yet you can also be at a time when you have reason to doubt yourself. Cause you've kind of been screwing up maybe. So I'm going to ask you on some of that. Is it not just a purposeful, Hey, I'm done doubting myself, but it's a, again, back to the faith I've, I've kind of earned. I'm seeing now that I've earned the right. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's a good way to say it, but you get the point, earn the right, not to doubt yeah. myself.
1: Yeah. I I think it is. I mean, of course, yeah, there are times where you're like, oh gosh, I messed that up. What can I learn from it? What can I, and that's, that happened like to, I'm not saying, um, I don't think anyone would say that they're perfect. Right. Right. But it's that dysfunctional doubt that makes you miserable. That isn't fully warranted that, um, that serves no one, especially not ourselves. So, again, you, you go back to, uh, when you hear that like voice coming up and, and maybe I'll prove myself wrong. Maybe the deadline will come and I will have nothing on the page. and I'll be like, okay, I'm really sorry. Uh, that was bad. Uh, but I know myself well enough. I've never missed a deadline. Like that isn't some, you know, like I, wow. uh, but yeah, to go back and, and retell yourself the stories of, um, to debunk that dysfunctional doubt that really doesn't have a place.
0: Well, I, I want to, I'm going to You've you've within that you've talked a little bit about money. I'm going to kind of skip over that one because the last one I hit on is achievements and it just continues to be, I, I can need to be, be aware of how important our achievements are, how we see ourselves, the story we've written, like you just said, going back and giving some credit to what we have accomplished. So as Kendra writes her story and you are looking ahead and you look at some of those achievements, what does that look like? And, and, you know, we can look at that from a vocational standpoint. And also you already talked about, you're going to be at this place at, you know, at an age or even more so at your children's age where they're in school. And when you look at those achievements and, This came out again yesterday, a perspective I tend to look at, the things that we're so – we tend to find a lot of how that relationship with ourselves, I don't – the word pride is has too much baggage. But if you look at that in a healthy – I feel proud of myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What achievements are you looking at in your story that you will feel good about for you?
1: I – it's a complicated question in that I've learned over time that um i'm always th- i'm always surprised by what achievements mean the most hmm. um Somebody asked me like what is your Someone recently asked me, like, what is your dream stage? Like, what would be the most incredible stage for you to speak on where you would be like, I really made it? Or what was the stage that you were like, I really made it? And and I know what they were referring to, because in my career, it, my you know, in my work, it's being on a stadium stage or, you know, the number of people in the audience. Yeah. Um but even in those moments, like I've had those opportunities, and yes, they are amazing. But I thought that they would be life changing, as we often think that achievements are. And I felt more like when I finished those, that I was like, "Well, yeah, you, you." Can do that, like it was. It was much less. Or um, the achievement of I worked so hard, so hard to be on the bestseller list with uh, stories that stick, and I did. I I was number two on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list, which was amazing. And yet, I thought that achievement would feel like the heavens had opened up and fireworks and And it's not to belittle the achievement, but it wasn't the big thing that felt, it didn't feel as big as I thought it would. And on the flip side, I'd also at the same time wanted to be on the New York Times bestseller list. And I didn't achieve that goal. That's a whole different thing. I outsold all but two of the people who did make the list that week, but that's a story for another time. Mm -hmm. And I thought that missing that achievement my husband was actually the one that delivered the news. My agent called my husband and he told me, and he told me you didn't make the times list. And he sat there, you know, you're married long enough. I know the look on his face is oh my gosh, she's going to crumble to in a vial on the floor. And I was like, oh, Okay. Like missing that achievement wasn't as devastating as I thought it would be. Um, and so I guess i've learned that the achievements that mean the most to me kind of um come out of nowhere uh it's it's like when i least expect it and um like one was i was picking one of my kids up from school and there this teacher stopped me as i was heading out and talked to me for five minutes which is a long time for a teacher to like Uh, talk to you unsolicitedly and spoke to me for five minutes about how incredible my son is Mm. and and even just the other day when I dropped we did meet the teacher in my it was at the elementary school my son's now off at middle school and all of the teachers were asking how is your son is he excited for middle school like like The impression he left on them as the person who he is, is one of my greatest achievements that because I, I mean, it's, it's his to claim, but I'm going to take part of it too. Like to raise a child that it, that leaves that impression. I am so proud. I'm so proud. Um, And of course there are, you know, there's the, there's the audience, you know, some of my best uh professional successes haven't been the stadiums, even though those were amazing, they're the they're they're an audience that I wasn't expecting that we would have this like magical connection. And I go back to it and um replay it. So a long way to say, I don't know, achievement just isn't what I thought it would be. And I, I think achieve true achievement and that feeling I, I achievement is a is as much a thing As it is a feeling. Um, And I've been surprised time and time again of what inspires that feeling of achievement.
0: That's a great place to wrap right there. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for being with me again. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your candor uh, Kendra. And just for this calling that I'm going to continue talking about on the stories we're writing, how we see them, how we learn. And, um, I appreciate, I'm going to end with just the appreciation of your humility in this Mm. and the stories we're writing. We can't fully control. And, uh, Mm -hmm. thank you.
1: Thank you. You've created a beautiful space for these conversations to happen. Thank you.
0: All right, friends, again, you can find Kendra Hall's book, Choose Your Story, Change Your Life, Anywhere, and connect with Kendra at kendrahall.com. Thank you, as always, for choosing to tune into the self-awful podcast. It would be a gift to me and to Kendra if you'd leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and share something that you learned, that you heard, that you thought about, In this episode from Kendra, best thing you can do is take something also that you heard and share it with somebody. I sincerely hope I've helped you help yourself.